Well, it is good to be back in Goshen. We missed Goshen, believe it or not. Now, we enjoyed the beach, <laughs> but we did miss we did miss Goshen. We really missed Goshen once we got into Atlanta. Cuz I do not like Atlanta at all. And I I I have tried. I've really really tried to tell Brian Shano the other day like I've really tried to like Atlanta. Um and it doesn't work. Um, just not working for me. Well, I'm excited to share the word with you today. Um, and uh, I want to say thank you uh, for everyone who pitched in last week. Uh, we were so bummed to miss two gatherings in a row. Um, I don't know if we've ever missed one gathering, let alone two in a row. Not together, certainly not. Um, so we, we were bummed to miss it. It was funny. Um, a lot of people were asking me as I was traveling, and um, when, I'm, when I'm at the conference, they know that I'm a pastor, and um, they'll say to me, they're like, who's taking care of things when you're gone? And I was like, who knows, <laughs> right? Like, they'll figure it out themselves. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, uh, but I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to take that time as a family. It was great. Um, I didn't do any refit, um, made sure to keep that in check. Uh, but we had a, uh, we had a really, just a, just a beautiful time as a family, just, to, uh, spend time together. And, um, it was great. So I appreciate that. Um, and tonight, um, we're going to get to talk about mothers a little bit. Amen. How many of you know an awesome mom? Some of you moms are like looking around like, you best be putting your hand up, huh, Ashton. Uh, <laughs> um, so I know this is a little early, right? We're, we're the Saturday Night Weird Church, so we're always a little bit ahead of the curve, I would say. Um, a little ahead of the curve when we talk about this. But um, I want to share this message with you tonight, and I don't exactly know if this even makes sense in the way that I'm calling this and describing this, but it's just the way I saw it in my head, and so I'm going with it. I'm probably breaking some rules here. It's probably not mathematically correct. It's probably not the way you're supposed to do this at all, but I'm doing it. You know why? Because I have a microphone. <laughs> and like when you have the microphone, you have this like sense of power that you can say things and put things on the screen. So tonight we're going to talk about, I don't, even, I don't even know how to say it, um, great to the 150th power, I think. I don't, I don't know. Is that, is that sounds pretty good, right? Um, great to the 150th power. Now, I will tell you that the power numerical value is not exact, okay? So just go with me here for a little bit. Um, Bethany was not worried about the numerical value being correct, um, but some of you will be like, hold on in there. Um, we're going to talk about this because it's estimated we're roughly 125 to 175 generations from Adam and Eve. So I just picked the number right in the middle. <laughs> I was like, 150 sounds great, and it looks good on there. I actually almost did 151, just just to, just to like just a little different because when you put 150 up there, it's like an anniversary or something. You know what I mean? Like it's a big deal. So I almost like threw a couple of other years in there. But um, anyways, or generations or whatever. I, I don't even know what to call that. But tonight, as we talk about mothers, um, I'm actually going to trace us back because I want us to talk to everybody's absolute, hands down, favorite mother in the Bible, and that is Eve. And it's funny because as I it's like I kept reading and, and thinking about and I was even talking to Beth as we were uh, driving uh, all over the country um, uh, what what we might uh, be speaking about and um, it's funny that God kept bringing me back to Eve and let's be honest 
when most ladies get asked the question, who would you want to be out of the Bible? There's like almost nobody who I have ever heard say, I really wish I was Eve, right? Everyone's like Mary or, you know, Sarah, Esther, Deborah, like all these other people. No one's ever like, I want to be Eve. And I don't think, I, I could be wrong about this, but you see like those little Bible uh, character games on Facebook, like, who are you? I don't even know if Eve is an option to be. Because I feel like everyone would hate that game. Like, wait, you, I'm the one who ate the fruit? Like, what? Anyways, um, but I think, I honestly think Eve is so misunderstood um, when you really read the story. And I've read the story multiple times this week, just thinking about Eve. And I think it's really great as to kind of kick off our Mother's Day weekend is to just start right at the beginning. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Um, as we talk about your, now see, I was going to say it, but it would take a long time. And so the idea is that's 150 greats to get to your great grandmother. Okay. And that's Eve. So I could sit up here for the next 12 minutes and just keep saying great till I count to 150. You guys help me count to 150, but I don't think you guys are going to go for that. Um, so Billy says he's in, so <laughs> Billy's in. I can always count on Billy. <laughs> Shoes off. Um, okay. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, being Eve, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, in that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, when I read this passage, there were three things that jumped out to me as we continue to go through that scripture. Things that I believe... Um, uh, Eve specifically was identifying about this tree that she was seeing, right? Uh, there are three observations. One, she saw that it was good for food, right? She saw that it was good for food. Now, what I want to think about through this, this is not the only tree that was good for food, right? There were so many beautiful, amazing trees that were good for food. This was another one of those trees that were good for food. The second thing that she identified, that it was a delight to the eyes. Now, Bethany and I, uh, a month ago, we were in Texas. And when we were in Texas, uh, we went and saw, I don't even, was it, is it called Mammoth Springs? What was it called? Mammoth something. I'm just throwing springs onto it because we probably saw things that said springs in Florida. I don't know. I'm just making it up at this point. We're forgetting things. Um, 
We went to this mammoth place. Um, I looked it up. It was a rainy day. There wasn't anything going on in Texas. And uh, I was like, hey, there's this mammoth thing. I, I don't even know what it is, um, but it looks pretty cool. And it's dirt cheap, So, um, which doesn't usually mean it's going to be awesome, just for the record. Um, so if you use monetary value to determine what you're going to do for fun, sometimes it doesn't work out in your favor. But we went to this, uh, we went to this uh, mammoth thing. I'm just going to call it there for now. And we had this great tour guide. Um, the guy guy was telling you everything about Mammoth, and he was great because he had his arm in a sling. And the whole time, he was claiming that his wife had done something to him and beat him or something. He was just a great – I mean, he's just a great storyteller. And as we were walking through um, this path to get to where these mammoth bones were, um, he stopped at this tree, and it was gorgeous. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. It was going just every which way. It's kind of like the tree in, in the picture here that literally, I mean, like the branches were going everywhere. Yeah, like that. It was beautiful. And he said it was like 200 years old. He said, I believe he said it was the oldest tree that they actually had on the entire property. And it was stunning. And what's funny is when I read this and I thought about how she saw the tree and it was a delight to the eyes, I know that it wasn't the only tree that was a delight to the eyes. I mean, Bethany and I had what I always say was my absolute favorite, 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 favorite tree in the world right in our front yard. It was gorgeous. It was massive. Most of the people around the neighborhood, uh, and I had three different tree experts come out, and they said that that tree had to be three to 400 years old. And there was a gentleman who lived down the road. He's in his 70s. His name is Benny. I think it was Benny. Uh, yeah, Benny. He came over, and he was looking at the tree with me. He says, I can remember as a little boy playing under this massive tree. So it was so incredible. And so what do you do with the most favorite things that you see like that? We cut it down, okay? Um, we cut it down because we had to. It was like hollow, and it was going to kill everybody. Um, those guys are doing good work. Um, but what I'll tell you is that tree, as beautiful as it was, I'll wait here a second. We've never done that before. It's a first. Hamilton Township doesn't get called out this way very often. Um, what I'll tell you is that that tree was a delight. It was absolutely beautiful. Everyone in the neighborhood knew it. it was like the hallmark of our neighborhood, this beautiful tree. And then everyone hated us for cutting it down. But we were worried it was literally going to kill someone walking by. But it was, so I know that this tree, that as much as it was a delight to the eyes to Eve, it isn't the only tree that was a delight to the eyes. But the last thing that she recognized was that it was desired to make one wise. See, that is the differentiator when you talk about this tree, right? There were other trees that were good for fruit. There were other trees that were a delight to the eyes. But there was only one tree that was desired to make one wise. And I believe it's the hunger for wisdom that Eve had is what drove her to that decision more than anything else. And I believe that if we're honest with ourselves, we're not that much different than her. I mean, how often do we Google our symptoms before we pray about them, right? How often do we find ourselves seeking wisdom of man before we ever get into the things of God? And see, I don't, listen, Eve, I, I think for all of us, there is such pressure on a mother and on a father to know every remedy, every situation, every solution. But where is this pressure really coming from, Right? Where is this really coming from? We want to be able to answer every single, and I hate these questions, but we want to be able to answer every single what-if question under the sun, 
before we do something or before we make a decision. The problem with what if questions is they don't stop. Once you what if that, there's another what if behind that what if. And it just goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. And so when I think about this, Eve, no doubt, just wanted to answer her own what ifs, right? And she found that if she partook in this fruit, that it would bring her what she longed for. But see, here's the thing about Eve. Eve already had access to what she had need of. And so do we. See, we already have that access, but we still find ourselves longing, trying to throw other things into this gap, other things into this hole, other things into these places in our life, when the reality is it's here. It's already here. We already have access to the Father. See, there's so much noise in life, and it it drives me crazy um, about what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, right? How you should eat, when you should eat how you should heal, how you should pray, how you should work, how you should talk, all these things. There's so many things that are trying to pressure you into doing these things. And what these pressures are really doing is they're taking the power and authority out of your relationship with the Father. Because what it's trying to do is put the authority in something else or in someone else. That's what it's really doing. You find these people that get addicted to these different vices and these different things that help them get through the day. And the reality is, is they're just substituting something else for where God was intended to be. We become dependent on answers and things and we are reliant on him and his rich mercies and who he is. And and the shame of it is, guys, we already have access to it just like Eve did. And we can look at Eve and go, oh my gosh, why did she do that? She had everything at her disposal. She had access to him. She could have very easily sat down with God and just talked to him. She could have sat there and just talked through whatever she was thinking, whatever she was wanting to know, what that wisdom was that she was longing. She could have had that discussion. And we, we act like, oh my God. And that's why we don't say, Eve, I'll be Eve. Let me be Eve in the play, right? <laughs> We don't do that because we look at her that way, but we are, we are not so different from her. We find ourselves longing for knowledge and wisdom of man and missing out that the gospel contains everything that we have need of, everything that we have need of. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 25. Psalm 25, uh, we're actually gonna read verses eight through 10 is what we're gonna read here. Psalms 25. I thought when I, when I ran into this, as I was studying this, I just thought this was a, a beautiful reminder that we need to capture, guys. And I would encourage you, Psalm 25, to go back and read the whole thing. Um, read the whole thing because it is a beautiful psalm um, that I think will encourage many, many, many of you. But Psalm 25, we're going to read verses 8 through 10. It says this, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. This right here is what I'm talking about. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. It says, I want to read that again. All the paths of the Lord, say all, All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. If we could get that passage into our spirits, how much, 
how much would it empower our daily decisions? Because we know, we know with all assurance that the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. See, what if makes you question every single path that you're about to go down? What if makes you question everything that you experience, everywhere that you go, everything that you hear, everything, everything. But this in the Lord says that all paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. See, I think of it this way. I have worked for many leaders in my day, okay? Some I could trust because I knew the intent of their heart. So um, when I was down in Georgia, I was at a huge conference. There's thousand plus people there, leaders of huge companies, small companies, just all across the sun. And I know many of these people and these CEOs, and I, and I would talk to some of them, and um, I know their heart, right? I know the intent of their heart. I know their uh, motivations uh, because I've had these conversations with them, and I can trust them very well, okay? There are other leaders that are there that I know very well. I know the intent of their heart. I know what they want to do, and I can't trust them at all, <laughs> right? It is just like that with the Lord, okay? We know the intent of his heart. We know that it is for love. We know that it's steadfast love. We know that it's faithfulness, but we find ourselves questioning every single path that we find ourselves on. See, if we love the Lord and we keep his covenant, right, and his testimony, we know that we're on a good path. Because we're trusting him in it. We're walking with him in it. If we would recognize that the path we're on, regardless of how it looks, regardless of how it feels, regardless of whether or not it's a part of our plan, the way that we designed it, the way that we, listen, my wife, she is the planner of all, she's planning something right now. It may be my demise. I don't know yet. I'll have to read her notes afterwards. But even when we were, literally, we're driving on our way for vacation and she is planning the next day. And I was like, no, we are not planning. I fought planning with everything in me. And I did pretty good fighting planning this time, didn't I? Oh, man. I fell for it. I didn't even know it. That was the plan all along. <laughs> man. Um, constantly, right? Constantly we plan. And what's funny is the reality is, is when you're on vacation, okay, maybe the mammoth thing was a bit of a gamble, okay? It ended up cool. It was cool. It was great. I mean, I'm not going to like say it was on my bucket list or anything like that. It was six bucks, but <laughs> but it was cool. We had a good time. We ran in the rain. It was like something out of the notebook, right? Right? I don't know. I don't know. Where do you want to go to eat? Um, anyways, anyways, but we know, see, we know with the Lord, we know the intent of his heart. We know the paths that no matter what they look like, that if we are walking with the Lord, they are good, right? We get on every, every step we take. I mean, we're, listen, Christians, we're walking around like this, right? We're so timid and afraid. And let me tell you something. I think God is just bringing us into a generation that's just going to run through some stuff. And that's what we, we need to get like that. We need to stop being so timid about the things of God. And let me tell you, we need to be willing to mess up. It's okay to mess up, 
right? There are too many people that will sit down and they will never do anything because they're so afraid of messing up. I mess up all the time, all the time. I am telling, Chris is nodding his head. He knows. He's like, yeah, he does. Let me tell you. <laughs> I mess up all the time because I'm just going to do it. And what we are doing is we are spending hours, days, weeks, months, years, some of us decades worrying about the path instead of trusting God. We, we got to stop worrying about this stuff, guys. We need to recognize who it is that we serve and know that his paths are steadfast love and faithfulness. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like. See, we miss moments because we're counting minutes. We miss moments because we're counting minutes. Because, two, listen, what everyone is wanting you to do is have that next thing, okay? What are you doing next, right? And uh, Bethany and I, we, we know that story very well, right? You guys will know it if you've been married, right? Okay, first off, when you start dating, everyone's like, when are you going to get engaged, right? And then once you get engaged, you're like, when are you going to get married? <laughs> then once you get married, they're like, when are you going to have kids? And then they're like, when are you going to die, I don't know if they asked that yet. Actually, now they ask us, when are you going to stop having kids? We're done, okay? (laughs) We're done. But see, what happens is everyone is looking for the next thing, right? What is the next thing I have to do? And we miss these rich moments that God has placed us in, right? There is richness in every moment. Mothers, (laughs) there's richness there somewhere sometimes, (laughs) Sometimes it's hard, right? Bethany knows very well. I know because she'll call me in the middle of the day at work and she'll be like, you need to talk to your children. Usually it's my daughter. Usually it's not my boy. I usually don't get too many calls from a boy. But, but you know, hey, she's frustrated. She can't get this. She's just, and, and usually I'll know because she, she needs to talk to the principal. Um, and uh, that's when things get cray cray. Um, but even in those things, guys, we miss moments because we're counting minutes. We're waiting for the next thing. We're waiting for the next thing. And what we do is we miss where God has us today. See, if his paths are steadfast love and full of faithfulness, it doesn't matter where you're at on the path. See, when I would start hiking in the woods with my father, we would usually do a six-mile hike is what we would do. We would go to Fort Hill. We would do a six-mile hike, okay? And as soon as I started on that path, it was good. It was cool. It was something different, right? All the way along that path. Now, it doesn't mean that there weren't times on the path where we saw something that was weird or gross or, or every now and then we stepped off the path and we got out of path and we didn't know where we were. That happened. That was a thing, right? But even so, the whole time it was good. Because I knew the intent of my father who was taking me on that walk, on that hike. And see, just as that, your father is taking you somewhere. Now, I don't know where that is. I don't know where, what it looks like. I don't know what it leads to. And what I'll tell you is if you spend too much time getting consumed on where is it taking you, as opposed to being in the moment with Abba, you'll miss moments, counting minutes. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. I want to read a couple verses in Galatians here. Because as I thought about this process, right, we're, we're talking about um, 
how we come in and, and we want we want to know the answer to all these what ifs, right? We kind of fall into that same situation as Eve, right? And we have to start getting to this point where we remember who it is that we're serving, right? We remember who God is and we remember that his paths are, are steadfast love and faithfulness. But then what happens to us along the path is we do something that we're not supposed to do. And Galatians 6 talks about this, okay? Verses uh, 4 and 5 say this, but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say neighbor. It says, for each will have to bear his own load. I want to, I, I found this quote when I was researching this. And uh, is a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. And he said this, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. What this scripture is talking about is stop looking at your neighbor. Stop looking at where they're at on their path. Stop looking at how far along the path they are. Stop looking at how short on the path they are. Stop worrying about them. And it says here, test your own work. And that be the only reason to boast, right? Because it says each one of us will have to bear our own load. It's different. It's different when you look at the person next to you compared to the person across from you. It's different. And what we do is we play this comparison game in the church, and, it, and what it does is it steals joy from us. It steals joy. We find ourselves playing that game way too often. Social media doesn't help this at all, right? It kills it, right? It, it's, it's honestly, though, it's been around since the beginning of time. So we were talking about our, our great, 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 yeah, um, grandmother, Eve, right? Um, she had a couple of sons, Cain and Abel. Not sure if you've ever heard of them or not. Um, thought I'd give you a little refresher. Um, Eve's son Cain killed Abel because he compared his sacrifice and he saw that God was more pleased with his and so he killed his brother. So they didn't have no social media, right? They didn't have anything else to blame it on. That's the comparison game. And unfortunately, we do that while we may not physically be killing someone, we may be verbally, whether it be in front of them or behind them, right? We spend so much time comparing our experiences to others when we feel ours aren't as good, we find ourselves as less. We begin to say that I'm not doing enough, right? I must not be doing enough. I'm, I must not be doing enough to please God because I don't have that or I'm not experiencing that. I'm not. Wa- Listen, guys, the comparison game is awful. Think, you know, th- I think about the mothers in the Bible, especially Eve. Um, she didn't have a book to read, guys. <laughs> she, she didn't have some book to read. She didn't have another mother to call on when, like, the kids started teething and these bones started shooting out of their face, right? She didn't have anyone to call. She didn't, she didn't have any essential oils to put on the kids, right? She, she, she didn't know what to do, right? She probably had something, but she was probably testing all kinds of stuff, right? She didn't know. She didn't have anyone. To, she didn't have an 800 number to call when they swallowed something poisonous, right? She was like, my kid just drank a gallon of bleach. What do I do, right? They didn't, she didn't have that, right? 
she didn't have the book What to Expect When Your Son Kills His Brother, right? There, the, she didn't have any of that. And so you think about that, and you think about how complex her life was, figuring this stuff out. And the whole, the whole meanwhile, we are comparing ourselves to everyone else. Well, they're doing it like this, and they're doing it like that. And this one's doing this, and so I feel bad now because I should be doing more of this, and I should be doing this, and maybe, you know, I should be sending my kids to public school, and I should be homeschooling, and I should do this, and I shouldn't do this, and they should eat this, but they shouldn't drink this. There is so much stuff. And I will tell you, for mothers, it's way worth. For dudes, I, I don't, what do we, do we, Brian's got hair. I don't, right? <laughs> Mothers, it's so hard on a mother and on a woman in general, guys, because most of us, we just don't care, the guys. I think, I mean, there are some guys that do, okay? They, they really do care, right? But most of the time, it's, there's so much pressure on you for everything and on making the right decision. And can I just tell you something? You are going to mess up so bad in so many ways. We all do. And the problem becomes you compare your mess-ups to everyone else's glory. You do it all the time. And it puts a heaviness on you. And it keeps you from being able to just do what God wants. Listen, his paths are steadfast love and faithfulness. That's what they are. See, women literally have one of the most important roles in all of humanity. Yet they often see themselves as less unimportant or unneeded way too often. When I think about, um, when I think about the scripture and I think about creation, creation's beautiful to read, right? You see all these things and, 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 and light and, and waters and all these, and animals and all these things. And it's good, 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 right? One bad. And the solution that God had for that was women. Y'all fixed it, right? <laughs> Don't hold that against me, people. God did that with a design. And, and when you think about how important the role of a mother and as a woman in society is, it is, it is unbelievably important. Bethany deals with this all the time, right? Because Bethany had a very successful job, did all these things, and she wanted more than anything to be home with the kids. That's what she wanted, okay? And she gets home and she's like, but what am I doing? I'm like, are you kidding me? We have four now. You know that, right? Right? Did you, did you count them this morning? Because they're all still here, and that's pretty amazing, right? <laughs> But see, there is something, and I, I want you to turn, uh, you, you don't have to turn there, I'll, I'm going to throw it up here. Philippians 4.8 says this, and this is, this is where all of us, not just one, we've got to get this in us, guys. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, Satan wants to take every ounce of your headspace and fill it with clutter. Fill it with what ifs. Fill it with uncertainty. But you know what our father says? That his paths are filled with steadfast love and faithfulness. See, the enemy wants you to think that you are hopeless. 
The enemy wants you to think that the dreams that you have in your heart will never come to pass because of this or because of that, because of this you said or this you did, whatever it is. But the word of God is saying this. Guys, just can we just, can we just focus on the good, right? The good things. We talk way too often about all the rest of the junk, okay? Way too often. We air it in social media. We like it in social media. We comment on it in social media. We do all these other things. And let's just, let's just talk about the good. Because there is such richness in everything that God has placed around you, whether it, you be in a good moment or you be in a bad moment. There's good in it. You just got to focus on it. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. I, when, um, when Bethany and I were going through the journey um, and we found out that we were going to um, have a child, I wanted, I really wanted more than anything else to have a little girl. That's what I wanted. Now, that doesn't make sense to some of y'all, but that's what I wanted. I wanted a little girl is what I, I just, what I wanted, right? And I wanted that because I have seen so many little girls that have lived outside of that. They have lived a life saying they're not good enough, that they're not, they're not ever going to make enough of an impact, that they're not important enough, that they're not loved enough. And there was nothing more that I wanted than to be able to raise up a little girl knowing the truth. That's what I wanted. And I got three of them, (laughs) y'all. See, I pray that my little girls don't get so consumed with trying to answer the question, what if? I don't want that for them. I don't want them being so consumed with what if that they miss out on what is, right? I pray that they can remember that they're serving a God who has great things for them. Now, I'll tell you, when you start um, raising some little girls like that, um, they can be a little strong. (laughs) And uh, that's okay. (laughs) That's why I get the principal call. (laughs) But I want them to understand that God has great things for them, right? But I pray that they don't get so consumed with comparisons. And ladies and men, God, we got we to gotta get past this stuff. We got to recognize the path that we're on is a path that is good, right? We are trusting the Father, right? Moms, moms-to-be, I want you to feel, um, and this is, this is what I feel like God wants, wants to ha- have happen, is he wants to take pressure off of you. Pressure from, from two perspectives is what I've really felt in my spirit. One is that you got to figure it all out. You don't. You ain't gonna. <laughs> See, there are so many, so many anomalies in this whole experience of being a mother that can make you go a little insane. I've seen it. She don't go insane. There, there are other people who are so consumed with becoming a mother. And I believe God has that 
for so many of you, right? But I believe that he wants to take that pressure off of you. See, because I feel, I feel there's always this, and, and, and it's, it's admirable, that a woman, a woman loves to solve all these problems, right? And Bethany has to solve so many problems in our household without me. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that she solves them. <laughs> Things that have to happen, things that have to take in motion. Thank God for the whole planning piece about her because it keeps things going when I'm like daydreaming and like big idea over here. And, and she's like, uh, do you remember everything else? Um, and, uh, you know, there was something that I saw this week that I was like, oh, that would be cool if I could do that. And then I could hear her in my head, when are you going to do that? Um, and so I didn't even bring it up because I was like, that's wisdom. I could hear her in my head now. It's starting to freak me out. But... But you put, you start to put pressure on yourself to make everything happen. To make things fall into place that really, God's going to take care of it, right? He wants to lead you just like he wants to lead all of us. And he wants us to trust that his paths are good. So I believe that God wants to just start taking some pressure off. Some of that pressure was never put on by him. It was put on by comparison, looking at what someone else was doing and saying, well, I got to get this to that level. And I got I to gotta, I gotta make sure they're involved in this. I got I to gotta make sure that I'm doing this. And, and that's, that's, that's not, it's not all on you. What you have to do is train a child up in the way that it should go so that it would not depart from it, right? That is the most important thing that you could ever do with your life is that you feed the word of God into those children so that they know and they won't depart from it. You're going to look at them sometimes and you're going to say, what is going on? But you know what you can say? I know that God's paths are full of steadfast love and faithfulness. 